Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of King's Dilemma. Here at King's Dilemma, we understand that all kings face difficult dilemmas on a daily basis. Heavy is a head that wears a crown is a statement that references the burdens and difficulties of being a leader. Any person who has been in a significant leadership position knows the meaning of the statement. And as leaders of our family and our community, we all face difficult decisions on a daily basis. Our goal with this program is to offer some perspective to our listeners and give them the tools to be able to make the best decisions for themselves, their family, and their community. My name is David Andrade. And I'm Leonard Chitange. I'm glad to be back. Mm. Dr. Charles Daniels, remember that name. Mm. Tori, ready to roll. There we go, man. Listen, before we started this episode, I asked you guys all to answer a question on a piece of paper. I asked you guys to tell me where you're from. And here are your responses. Leonard, your response was Congo, Africa. Charles, you said Atlanta. What is it? Dale. What is it? Riverdale. Riverdale. That's right. And Tori, you said Yonkers. I answered Los Angeles. Mm. So the point of that question was to try and understand uh, if we understand our personal history. Right. So, Leonard, um, you came here. You were born in Congo. And when did you come to America? At the age of 16. So I always tell people, like, hey, I'm from Boston, but by way of Congo. Mm -hmm. um, I migrated here with my family at the age of 16. We all came from Boston. Um, I think from Congo, we came here. Um, I think I was either trying to go to, uh, we were supposed to go to, to Belgium, France, but we migrated here. And uh, yeah, and I went to multicultural high school, man, mm -hmm. learning so, English. So I want to stay on you for a while because I kind of, I want to dig deeper a little bit on that. Um, before you came to America, what did you think of America? Great question. Before I came to America, man, I think my position of America was based on what I was seeing in the movies. You know, mm -hmm. I think watching a lot of like Rocky, <laughs> watching a lot of like uh, MacGyvers. Um, yeah, man. Okay. Listen, watching a lot of, of those American movie, like versus the Indian, you know, those Western movie. My perception was, oh, wow, America is a very, you know, dominant, the best country in the world. Like, um, you know, very arrogant too. That's American general. But then my perception of black America was, 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 was different. was like, wow, black people in America, wow, they're savages. They steal, they kill each other, you know, all of that stuff. So just growing up with a bunch of, you know, misunderstanding, misperception. So, and then now landing here, it was like that wake up call, you know, uh, language and different. So, yeah. So did you, when you would think of America, I mean, were you aware of like also other like ethnicities and races like that? Or was it just white and black people? Great question. No, because the reality is, I mean, Congo is, is, is like you wake up in the morning, right? You wake up in the morning, you see black, black people everywhere, yeah, right? Yeah. But it was based on nationality. Uh, did you know about like Latinos before you came here? No, first of all, yeah. Cause it's, uh, so am I like an alien to you? Something like <laughs> that. Yeah, because there's to be an alien. They called me the end when I got here. Yeah. So first of all, the language was hard. We don't speak, you know, English in Congo. And then the other part, too, was kind of like there's no racialization. There's no race relation. It's like ethnicity and nationality. So mm -hmm. I'm Congolese. And, you know, my, my, my tribe is Luba. We got 200 ethnic tribes. So America just woke me up to race relation. I'm like, whoa, it all started when I race went to relations. race relations. <laughs> so what, what I simply mean is that 
migrated here at the age of 16. I went to multicultural high school where I was learning English. And then my, my teacher looked at me and said, wow, you're better than an African-American because you're from Africa. Damn, my teacher said that to you. So my teacher said that to me, so it confuses me. What so was the teacher? Race wise, <laughs> white. Woo! It was a white teacher. Oh. What's his name? Put him on black. Come no, on no, I'm not. Come on now. So what, what it did to me, it confused the head out of me, right? Yo, and teacher, I, I kept if you're listening, this, you're racist. So all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm better than black students. Oh. I'm better than black American student because mm-hmm. I'm from Africa. So what it did to me, I'm gonna be short. Um, what it did to me is like, I got mad, I got confused, I got angry, so I want to discover the truth. That's mm-hmm. the reason why when I graduated from high school with honor, I got accepted to UMass Boston, BU, Boston College. But I said, you know what? I'm going to find the truth. I'm going to go to a historical black college. HBCU. I went in there on a purpose. Where just we to go? Really Where we go? Fisk University, Na- Nashville, chest. Tennessee. Woo! F you. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Fisk, Fisk University. <laughs> meaning Fisk University. And I think there was powerful, man, because I feel like it was, it was good for me. It was a healing moment where I really, really got to learn about Africana study, man. Black experience in America, black experience in the Caribbean. It was powerful, made good friends. So it was a good moment. But then what it did to me, too, is like, yo, I'm at a black school. Doesn't mean that the word is black. You know, like if I step outside of HBC, what about multiculturalism, right? What mm-hmm. about cultural stuff? Yeah, man, it's, it's been quite a journey, man. And I think that's why I got involved into a bunch of, you know, African diaspora um, engagement mm-hmm. initiative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's kind of like my whole. So I'm, but, but I, I'm grateful that from Boston, I got to do, I did my homework, man, grew up in Roxbury, really understanding, wow, the black experience in this inner city, man. Um, but language and culture was, was, was hard, but. I had the ability to connect and to build. Uh, so I became the African brother, man, that African Denzel over the years. You know? Yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. But so, Charles, when I asked you where you're from, like, how did you feel answering that? You know, it, it was an interesting um, question for me because the first thing that came to mind was Atlanta. Then I had to put a slash and put Dale, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Riverdale. Yep. Always been proud of Atlanta, but had to grow to accept Riverdale. Okay. So born in Piedmont Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, and raised in a small town right next to College Park where the Hartsville Airport is, which is called Riverdale. Matter of fact, I was in the same um, course class as Sierra, the artist. Ooh. So we went to the same high school, Riverdale High School. So You knew her? Yeah. You was cool with her? Yeah, we were cool. She shoot your shot? Huh? She sh- she shoot her shot. I wasn't She's like, yo, 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 I, I know you about to be. I, I know you about to be Doctor Chan- uh, Daniels, yo. I was a I'm square. trying to know what's up. <laughs> I was a square. <laughs> Listen, I was a square. Capital football team and a square. <laughs> but she definitely was cool people, man. But I think to make a long story short, there were a lot of great people that came out of that small town in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yo, Tori, you said you from Yonkers, man. Tell me about that. So that's where I was born. Mm-hmm. I left there between nine and ten the summer of. 1999 mm-hmm. um, Then I got I went Got to Connecticut mm-hmm. Left there When I was 15 Came up to Springfield Massachusetts Where I went to prep school And I came to Boston For college Both times mm-hmm. So my life Has been equally divided um, Like basically 10 years 10 years 10 years mm-hmm. So I just put the place Where I was born Okay The place where I'm from mm-hmm. That's all But it was no uh, Had nothing to do With an, an attachment or anything yeah. with any depth like that. Yeah. So when we think about where we're from, that's that's one question, right? But then when we try to think about our roots, 
then mm. how would you answer that? Like, if I were to say, yo, where are your roots, right? Like, where are your family roots from? Where are y'all from? Where, like, how do you, how would you answer the question then? Would it still be Yonkers? So my family's from North Carolina. Okay. Yep. Uh, I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, my family owned a lot of land in North Carolina. Um, my grandfather and my aunts, they own 180 acres of land. Mm. Wow. Um, in North Carolina. So I know that, mm-hmm. um, but North Carolina doesn't really mean much to me. I have no no connection to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when you ask where I'm from, it, has that, it doesn't have that type of um, impact on me. Yeah. So this question's always been really difficult for me because mm. um, so I, I was born in, in Los Angeles, but I moved to Boston before I even turned one. Mm. So to say that I'm from LA always feels a little like disingenuous because like I I really want to call Boston my like where I was born and and, and raised but mm. I really just raised here right like I came here at 11 months but then even further back from that my mom she migrated here from Guatemala and listen the way my mom got into this country she got deported twice you know what I'm saying first time she she came to this country she used um uh, a coyote which is someone who sneaks you into the country right and so my mom was told listen this guy's gonna take you up all through mexico like and they went in a van and then they snuck it over and when she got over they were like there's gonna be uh basically uh, a man who's gonna pick you up he's got blonde hair and blue eyes and he's gonna take you the rest of the way from from texas to california so she gets to texas she comes out the car she sees a man with blonde hair and blue eyes it turned out that he was a like an ice agent you know what i'm saying and so they took her and immediately sent her back, right? And I was like, damn, Molly, like, what was that like? She was like, yeah, I mean, like two weeks later, I tried again. You know what I'm saying? And the second time she got here and she started working in California. Um, so I know that my family comes from Guatemala, right? Like my mom came from Guatemala. My dad, whom I've never met, was Honduran and El Salvadorian. So I know that my roots are in Central America, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't feel connected to that. Mm-hmm, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've gone to visit, um, twice in my life. And like, I, I have family there that I talk to very, very rarely, but I, I don't necessarily feel connected to that. Right. So mm-hmm, I, I can mm-hmm. say like, when people ask me like, Oh, what are you? I used to say like, I mean, I'm, I'm born here, you know, mm-hmm. my mom, my family, they're from, from Central America. But like, if I go back to Central America, they looking at me like, yo, you're American, you know, mm-hmm. or they'll, they'll be like, yo, you're just white. You know what I'm saying? And so like, they just say American because they don't, they don't, they don't acknowledge race in, in Central America. That's a, that's a thing that most places outside of the United States don't even mm-hmm. bother dealing with. Um, but to me, that was always very, very weird to understand like, okay, my family comes from here, like mm-hmm. my, my people. Right. Um, but I've never felt connected to that. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Well, I mean, it, it'll be fun for you to, 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 to go, like, if you can, if you have the means, you travel, you can learn some stuff, and you're going to feel connected, because I think that's what happened to everybody, right? Because mm-hmm. for me, when people ask my roots, I say, my root, I say Congolese. And then for me, I was trying to understand, okay, well, black people root is Africa, because everybody from Africa, mm-hmm. everything started in Africa. But some black folks, for me, I was learning that. They was in to say, well, listen, I know we call ourselves African-American, and, and but we're not connected to Africa. There's no connection to us to Africa. But I'm like, yes, you are. But but I, I think that... Um, Let me speak on that, ahead. too, because, I mean, I, I'm one of those yeah, yeah. African-Americans. And, you know, when you ask that question, there was some discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because I can't tell you where I'm mm-hmm. from outside of the United States of America. But I feel a deeper connection. I used to be embarrassed by that question. You know, there's there was people, you know, other fellow... Um, individuals that were from the continent of Africa, they knew where they came from, Nigeria, Congo. Mm-hmm. And we also had people, Russian, 
they knew where their family came from, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case for me. All I know mm-hmm. was that grandma lived in Pavo, Georgia, moved to West Palm Beach, Florida. And West Palm Beach, Florida, and Atlanta, Georgia, Riverdale, Georgia were the places that I frequented as a child. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I can't tell you anything about their existence outside of those two states, Georgia and Florida. And for me, that was always problematic. It was always embarrassing because I wanted to know mm. um, where I was from. Matter of fact, I just took that 23andMe DNA test mm-hmm. and found out I was 29% Nigerian, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, well, how the hell is that? And then they said, well, you got some um, Senegalese in you too. You got some, they started naming some other country. I said, well, what the hell am I, mm. right? You know, sad question when I think about the answer to it and the lack thereof. So I used to envy people like Leonard and you who knew, who could answer that question like boldly. Mm. I'm from Congo. I'm a part of this tribe, right? Mm. Never felt that way. Never felt that way. Mm-hmm. Somebody forgot to mute their phone. I know. Tori Must be their first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Pick it up. Yeah, but go ahead. Right. You saying, Doc, nobody yeah. ever felt that way? Yeah, you know, like I've, I've... You used to envy people like you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just have a frank conversation because yeah, you could yeah. tell me the tribe, you could tell me the country, you could you can date your family back mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah. Far as I can go, grandma, granddaddy, mm-hmm. right? And I can tell you a little bit about my father's grandma and uh, my, my father's mother and his father, um, and they lived in Valdosta. Granddad had a church, and my grandmother's name was Grace. Mm-hmm. Only that I can tell you Can't tell you anything Outside of them And for me it hurts mm-hmm. So it hurts mm-hmm. to reflect on something When you want to know it so bad But you don't have the answers mm-hmm. so I think there There's people like you Leonard But there's also a lot of people like me Who want to know yep. more But don't know where to go And you know what Charles that's, that's a good point that you mentioned man Because actually I'm going to tell you this Like I've struggled with my identity Because like I, I've never met my father Right But I know that I have siblings through my father's hmm. side, right? Like he had other children who I've never met. I've never met my family on his side of the family. I've never met, you know, I never met my grandmother, my mm-hmm. grandfather. I, I don't know if he had siblings, you know, so I can, I have so half of my family is wiped out. Right. And like half of my family tree, I will never like I I hope to, you know, I also did a DNA test. Right. To try and find him and to try to figure out, like, if I have siblings that I can reach out to and and see if I can start to piece together this puzzle. But the truth is, is you can't put together a puzzle if you don't have the pieces. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, I, I do feel almost like untethered. From the world because I, I feel like I don't have those roots, those family mm. roots, and so like to some extent I can I can definitely like like I relate to that, but at the same time I think that there's a difference between like personal history mm-hmm. and then like cultural history, right, right? right? Because like what you went through was much different, right? Like you like you're from the south, and so like for people that don't know that. There's this thing that happened in America called slavery. You know mm. what I'm saying? That fucked people up, mm-hmm. right? And so people were just torn away from their history. The slave boat dropped Africans all over the globe in different mm-hmm. spots. And I think what Charles speaking to, over the years, you know, like the Charles and the Leonard's of the world became friends because it's like, I I got so many healthy friendships out of that. But I taste both sides. I taste all the side. Oh, you think you, you're from Africa, you're arrogant. And I'm like, am I arrogant? Or I'm just... So what Charles speaking to, I lived that, through that, you know. But I think that is a beautiful thing when you, when you travel, you do research, and that's what mm-hmm. people are doing now, so... I think you're blessed 
far from arrogant, blessed, man. Like, to know your history. I used to have 40-year-old and older grown men come into my office and require me because they did not know who their father was. They didn't know anything outside of their mother, their mm. immediate history. Mm-hmm. And they probably take that pain to the grave. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a deep pain, right, mm-hmm. to not know what you're connected to outside of your family. I grew up in a household headed by a single mother. I know my mom. I know her siblings. Mm-hmm. I know her her parents. I know mm-hmm. what they did for the family. Outside of that, everything is a distant memory. But there is a deep pain there. Yeah. Right? Because we want to know more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's connected to Africa, we want to know more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But where do you go? Mm. And that's a real situation. So mm-hmm. when I look at brothers like Leonard, I look at brothers, I used to envy y'all back in the day, but like, damn, who does think he is? Mm. <laughs> I am from the Democratic of Congo, yeah. from the Luba Kingdom, <laughs> right? Walking with your gold robes on and your uh, daishiki, your different colors, right? Mm. I think, um, and, and when you think about, ooh, great, shoot, you know, there's another question that comes to mind is that how do you, when you don't know your history affects the way in which you parent and, you know, how you think about fatherhood, too, Tor. Right, Touchdown. So that's, that's my biggest fear. Mm. I don't care where I'm from in Africa. Mm. I, don't, I don't care about that. Like, at all. I have no concern for that whatsoever. Like, what state I'm from. Like, I don't, yo, I rep this state like that. Nah, nah, that, that, that's, that's corny. But, I, yo, since that's my biggest fear. So, my wife is Cape Verdean and German. Mm-hmm. Um, and another day, another You said Cape Verdean in what, Germany? Cape Verdean, Cape Verdean and German. Mm-hmm. And we know what the Germans did. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know she, you be pulling that out in fights. Yeah, you know Germans did, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cape Verdeans, right? Like, I, I see them as African people. I know, mm-hmm. the food, I know the Portuguese. I know the mix. I know all that stuff, right? Um, so, but African. The, so the question, right, is, is my child a black person? And I'm also concerned about their complexion mm-hmm. and how they're going to be judged. So my child, right, can be born. I mean, Cape Verdeans come out with blue eyes and... Blonde mm-hmm. hair with Absolutely. dark skin, all type of different looks. They could have a lot of different stuff, right? But my, what my wife being half white, my child could come out just like a plain white boy. Mm-hmm. And then how is he going to identify himself? And I'm going to tell you right now, I would be hurt if he identified himself as a white boy. Mm. Mm. And like I'm deeply concerned about that. Also, um, it's really huge in my marriage because um, I spent a long time challenging my wife about how she identified, like whether whether she whether or not she was a black person or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a very serious thing in our relationship for a long, long time. Um, and it hurt her, it hurt her like, deeply mm-hmm. because if she denied her whiteness, she'd be denying her mother. Mm-hmm. That's messed up, mm-hmm. right? Um, but she's very proud of her being Cape Verdean. She's very proud of that. And, her, and she's very proud of her mother, who her mother is. I mean, she's not from Germany, so that's not, that's not a big deal. Um, but, yes, that, that's my concern. Like, my roots... Yeah, I that that I'm, that's of no interest to me. Though they're not about to get any money from me for my DNA test. <laughs> don't look for that. Um, don't look for. Don't look for. So my name's Tory Joyner. Don't worry about that. So you're a part of that crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, right. Like, yo, they DNA not have to my make DNA. other people like me. No, no. But but really, like, yo, that's that's my my biggest concern mm. is what my child's gonna look like, how they're gonna identify. Um, I think I'll be so so happy like if my child comes out and understands that they're black mm-hmm. and. But I don't know how I'm going to relay to them, depending on how they look. 
I don't know how I'm going to relate to them, their blackness. Mm. Can I, and can I, force my, can I force their blackness upon them? Mm. My wife and I debate about that all the time. That's a serious thing in my world. Well, love. Start with love. I mean, you, you're going to be okay. I mean, you'll figure it out. I think you'll figure it out. I mean, See, that's the African stuff. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Not that, that. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? God will take yeah, care yeah, of it. Just yeah, pray yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah when, you, when you know you from the Congo, you good here. Don't worry about it, player. But listen. Don't get it too. You be all right. You got cultural trauma too. Listen. The, ner- got- the nerve of you. But don't worry about it, dog. What? Go but ahead, listen, Charles. brother, I think. Just a conversation that you can have in your household, but when he leaves your household, it won't be a choice. He'll be black. Well, that depends on how no, he looks, right? right? That's what I brought up. If my he's, wife, if he's my, that passing, if it's that no, no, to the my, state, my, so then it would wife, be that passing. My wife is a very light-skinned woman, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I ain't no black, dark, 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 dark-skinned man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's gonna, my child's going to be a light-skinned person. Extremely light or extremely dark or in between. They're gonna, they, the right? Most likely they're going to be extremely light and they can't have blonde hair, blue-eyed devil. No, they can't have blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. Brother Malcolm. Yeah, they could have blonde hair and blue eyes. But that's right? a harsh reality in America. Mm-hmm. If, there, there if there's an assumption that you're black and it could be a little bit or it could be a lot, mm-hmm. right? you're going to mm-hmm. be treated like you're black. No. Yeah. The, the, mo- the most fair-skinned black person will continue to be treated like the dark-skinned black person or a little bit different but still be treated black. Right, but I think that Tori is talking about what if my kid, does, like no one can tell that he is I black. Get, I get that. My kid, so, okay. my, so for example, I my get kid that. has a high chance of looking like David. Okay. Has a high chance. With right. your hair? No. Has a high chance of just looking like David okay. straight up. Okay. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. And so, therefore, right, does my son, right, does my son lose, or daughter, lose that, so, so Leonard, right, Y'all gonna honor his Africanness? Yeah, you already laughing. You already know. Y'all gonna honor his Africanness? Y'all, are y'all gonna? Yeah, you, y'all are kids, right? Are kids gonna honor his blackness at school? The way that he behaves, right? Like he gotta have swag. He gonna have to have super swag in order for the black kids to honor that. Mm. Yo, look, look. I'm not. I'm not in poverty. Right. Where right, I live, right. right. Where I send him to school, for example, right. If I send my child to prep school, whatever it might be, right, amongst a lot of white people, right, that that could make them seem more white, behave more white, right. So that's a, a real a real fear of mine. How, like, yeah, what's like? There's such thing as black behavior, right? Behave. Look, you got for you, like I said, for you being African, right, is something that's in you, right? Like as an African American, you got to behave a certain way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in order to be black. But things mess me up too. Like you just asked the question because even I'm like the first time I saw a white person in Congo was me when I was 13. Because imagine you're in a country where you wake up in the morning, everybody's black, and the minority are white tourism, right? White folks, you're like, oh, and you come in America, you wake up where everybody's multicultural, and then the dominant are white people, and then race is a social construct. It's a it's a bunch of bunch of confusing stuff. But yeah, it all depends where you're from too, because there's that cultural trauma that we all dealing with. And so many different levels. Um, but yeah. so do you have any advice for me? Yeah, I'll say, well, first thing, start, start with love. It's a bunch of lists, man. Start because what America does to us is so, it's so difficult to, to, you know, we obsess with race relation, relation and we forget about it's still a, you know, social construct. I'm saying, like, start with basic thing, start with love, mm. right? And, I, and then after that, yeah. you can add a stoical component, and then uh, mm. you can talk to people like Dr. Daniels of the world. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Regardless of if you come from a household where one of your parents could mm-hmm. be white passing, 
and your other parent can be black, mm-hmm. regardless of your perception of what they what you want to, them to receive as a parent or not receive as a parent, they're going to walk away from your household knowing mm-hmm. that they have two races in their life, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that you will not be able to take from them. They're mm-hmm. going to see your side, mm-hmm. and they're going to see the other parent's side. But there's a conflict that they're going to, that they're going to experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you cannot rid them of. Mm-hmm. Like Tori's talking about, well, I don't, want, I don't want them to really, you know, I, I, that's going to be a struggle that they're going to have. But I think even before you open up your mouth in that household, they're always going to have that struggle, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, they're going to have mm-hmm. a struggle of trying to figure out which side do I side with, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Who Dad's black, mom is white passing, this is me, what am I? Mm-hmm. I think kids that come from those blended households always go through those struggles. Always. And regardless of how you feel and what you want to project on them or what you want them to walk away from, you cannot alleviate them from that struggle no matter how much you try. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the harsh reality, right? So I think... Giving room for that struggle to take place, mm-hmm. giving room for them to go through that process, you're going to have to. You're going to have to have tough skin for that situation because mm-hmm. they're going to always conflict between am I black or am I white passing? What the hell am I? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So another thing is, too, because I'm thinking about just from my perspective, as Tori was talking about my daughter, my daughter is um, as dark as me. Mm-hmm. And when I think about you know, what I've learned about being black, you know, and, and where I was from, this question about where you from and, and what does it mean to be dark skinned, right? Where I was from and how I grew up as it relates to being dark skinned was like the darker you are, the more ugly you are, mm. right? So there was trauma associated to my own skin tone as it relates to how I navigate this life um, as a dark skinned male. And I'm gonna tell you, I tried to bleach myself a couple of times. I shared this before so my skin could be lighter, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I didn't work through those issues, I'm pretty sure that it would affect me negatively being a, a parent of a, a beautiful daughter who is, who is as dark as me, mm. right? But at the flip side of that whole entire situation, I don't want her to come from a place in her own household when she thinks that being dark is a problem because it's not. Mm. I think I have an opportunity to change that generation. Nonetheless, same with Tori. He's not going to be able to alleviate his kids from having a black Father and a white passing mom I can't alleviate the process Of my daughter going through this notion That sometimes in, in America you have people That are very foul to dark skinned Women and dark skinned men mm-hmm. And she's going to experience that Now I have to make room for that process and let her know How beautiful she is but when she step outside in That hard cold world There's going to be some fools out there to tell her otherwise mm-hmm. And there's a process that I think when it comes to parenting Whether you in a household with a blended family mm-hmm. Or a dark skinned family you can't stop your kids from experiencing that process. And that's the harsh reality of the situation. This is deep. Yeah, you got to yeah. figure out what value. That's what I mean by Torah. What I mean by like start with the basic, all I simply mean is that, you know, what is some of the value that, you know, both parties can come together and kind of implement that. And then the, the other stuff is what Charles is talking about. That's like the, the middle stuff and it will happen, but at least the foundation, because what's going to be the foundation, right? What's going to be, uh, and that's global. And then that, Charles talking about bleaching skin, that's a global thing. You know, mm-hmm. on the continent of Africa, you got 54 countries. It's a big thing. So we also have our own trauma. That's a global thing with every person of African descent. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't even get me started pre-colonial Congo. I mean, we, we got, we lost so much stuff. So the point is, how can we go back just to basics? Just, you know. You know what, man? I think that one thing that kind of we've been circling around is that the experience is different, especially here in America yeah. versus like, 
if you're African American or if you're from the Congo or if you're from Ethiopia mm-hmm. or if you're from Trinidad and Tobago or from Haiti or you know Dominican Republic or mm-hmm. a- anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I think that African Americans in this country always view differently by Black people from outside of America, and I think that there's something to be said about the fact that you know um, if you come to this country, you actually have an advantage mm-hmm. right because there's actually like like societal like like the infrastructure is designed to keep african-americans down in this country mm-hmm. so i guess like have 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 you noticed that charles like being from america like the like like even like black people from other countries will treat you differently yeah i think absolutely absolutely especially you know especially the african professor that's true i agree agree with that yeah yeah. i mean there's there's so many stereotypes whether you outside the country or you inside the country stereotypes that africans outside the country have about us and the stereotypes that african americans have Mm -hmm. about africans i think it goes both ways yeah yeah, yeah. i think it goes both ways and i don't think no one is excluded from those stereotypes i mean Mm -hmm. you you act um the way in which you were reared Mm -hmm. right but don't get it twisted, right? I used to, um, and I think when it, just in the same vein, this entire conversation, um, back to the earlier point, I used to tell my mom that I should try to bleach my skin when I was a kid, and then I tried to kill myself one time. And my mom used to get so sad when I used to tell her that, right? Because she did so much. My mom made sure that the foundation in our home was strong and was tight. Mm. She made sure that I knew that my black skin was valuable. Come on. Right? Mm. She made sure that I knew that I was loved. But despite, despite that foundation, I still had to go through my own process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, foundation in a household has to be strong. But give your children room to have their own experiences yeah. to know that there's going to be moments where it ain't going to be so pretty for them despite everything that you've done in the household for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a harsh reality of what it means to be a parent, but also what it means to be black in America. And yes, I'm good with people having stereotypes about what it means to be an African-American because I've had stereotypes about what it means to be an African outside of the country. Mm -hmm. You know, the good thing about it is is that the African don't really know what the African-American truly experiences and the African-American don't really know what the hell they talk about either. Right. (laughs) As long as we just take that stance, I think we all could be good and on the same page. Don't be cocky with it. And to elaborate on that, that's exactly David, because that's a good point, because that's why I turned it around, changed the narrative around. I started lecturing and doing a lot of workshop and even speaking to so many African community because I don't play. Because now I'm like, listen, we got to, we, we, you know, we got to not connect the dot. If you you here in America as a, as a continental Africans, you got to go back to the civil rights movement. You got to understand that. The historical stuff we hear because African American, you know, have opened the door. So you have to learn African American history. Uh, so this is a generational thing because I know a lot of African students on so many campuses across the country will say, "Well, I don't need to celebrate Black History or Kwanzaa or stuff like that," um, because they're also going through their own process, like Charles was saying, because the issue is so deep and it's so many hidden tension because now you have a lot of African kids who grow up in African household, but they were born here. Yeah. So the parent would tell them like, listen, you got to do this. Like, nah, this is not Nigeria. This is not Congo. This is not Ghana. That was you, mom and dad, right? But they got to call somebody like me to say, how did you do it, Leonard? How did you find that balance? So uh, it's deep. It's so many tension. But now... 
Mm. You know, when I look at even my, my professional relationship with Charles, I'm like, wow, that's powerful. Because now I'm looking at even mental health in a whole nother lens. I'm looking mm-hmm. at parenting in a whole nother lens. I'm like, wow, this guy's normalized crying. But did I saw people crying? What is crying? Is out of crying? I'm like, I'm connected to so many things. So we need these type of dialogue and relationship. And because uh, Charles just said it, <laughs> it go both ways. So, um it's deep, man. When you talk about African diaspora stuff, you got to get in deep and really connect the dots, man. Mm-hmm. So. Dave, I got a question for you, too, because Leonard just made me think about something, right? Because you asked me about the infrastructure piece in America and, you know, how I feel about how Africans are perceiving us and how we perceive Africans. And I told you that it go both ways. But you know what's hard for an African-American mm. is that. There's moments where you don't even feel accepted in your own country. Then you hear that in other countries you're not accepted. Well, hell, who the hell accepts you? Come on. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you, you see it in the media, you're not accepted. You turn mm. on the TV, you see police killing people that look like you, you're not mm. accepted. Then you hear some of your brothers from different countries with beautiful histories that you know nothing about. You hear that sometimes they don't accept you. No. So what the hell is going on? Yeah. So is it a curse to be African-American? Yeah. Now, we know Philosophically and scholarly That it's not a curse yeah. But when you in it And you hear from different angles And you really into that feeling And you feeling tender and vulnerable You can really feel as if You're the brunt of all this mess That has nothing to do with you mm-hmm. It is what it is It's just a real situation Yeah, like that's it. deep yeah. yeah, that's deep Yeah, you know what? It's funny Because like, I feel like During the, um, you know The last election You know, you'd hear All the people All the, all the MAGA heads chanting You know, go back to Africa Or something mm-hmm. like that It's like and Bro, what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, people haven't been there in generations. Like, the fact that you believe that is, is wild. Whew, that's um, deep. Have you ever felt that way in terms of not being accepted in America, but also not being accepted in Guatemala? I mean, just similar to what some African Americans may be feeling? Yeah, absolutely. All the time. And so, the funny thing, it's interesting you mentioned that because, like, so I'm of Central American descent. My mom's from Guatemala. My dad's from Honduras and El Salvador. I haven't been there, but every time I go back, I'm American, right? Mm. And I grew up in Jamaica Plain, uh, right near uh, Mozart Park, and and a lot of a lot of Dominicans, a lot of Puerto Ricans in that neighborhood. And if you don't know, all anyone from a Spanish speaking country, we all speak like we may all speak Spanish, but we all have different dialects. Mm-hmm. So Dominicans and Puerto Ricans actually tend to speak a little faster, mm. um, and their cadence is a little bit different. Okay. And so when they would hear me speak Spanish, they would make fun of me, right? Mm. And so and the funny thing is I then kind of started speaking a little bit different. I, I I spoke a hybrid version of Spanish where it was like kind of Dominican, kind of Puerto Rican, but kind of Guatemalan. Then my family at home here would be like, oh, you you speak like a Dominican or a Puerto Rican. And I'm like, damn, everybody is telling me I'm wrong no matter what, right? And then constantly as I've grown up in this country, the stereotype about Spanish men is that we're aggressive. You know, our, 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 uh, the last president of this country uh, called all of us rapists mm-hmm. and drug dealers, right? And drug mules. And then you have like popular white comedians like, um, oh man, her name is escaping me right now. Um, she's a popular white comedian, uh, female. And she was like, yeah, you know, she said something about like dating. She's like, I don't date Latino anymore because they just knock me out and then have sex with me. And like, that's the punchline, right? And I'm like, so you're calling all of us rapists. Cool. And like, you're galvanizing white women with that, with that punchline. And it's like, yo, that, that's just how we are viewed in this country, right? We, we are looked at as if we bring nothing to the table. And, and so it can be very difficult to, to be in this space where that's just how we're viewed. 
Um, but don't get it twisted because I, I will also hold um, people from my part of the world accountable because a lot of them are racist, right? Yep. Like, like they don't acknowledge, one, they don't acknowledge that sometimes they're black and two, they will actively talk poorly about African-Americans and that's something that I've had fallouts with people in my family over. You like, yo, that's racist. Day, Come on. Yeah, no, nah, I tell yeah, you straight up. That shit is racist, right? Come and when you call man. them on it, they're like, well, no, no, no. And they're like, like, especially Central Americans love to do this. They love to talk about how they came to this country with nothing on their back and they made it for themselves and they're like why can't African Americans do that too and I say because of systematic racism which will allow you to get a loan to start a business before they can come on and then they looking at me like uh, 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 yeah go read a book fam you know what I'm saying and I think sometimes it's frustrating for Central Americans to see their kids getting educated and now changing their perspective but here's the problem is you brought me to this country for a better life Mm -hmm. a better opportunity and to get a better education and now you don't like what i'm learning you know Ooh. what i'm saying and the truth is is here are facts right wow and so i think that um for other uh latinx people like me who are uh you know first generation in this country you need to hold your family accountable to to some of these things right like i think leonard you probably That's have exact, done that too I, I right? did the exact same thing everything david said I did the exact same thing mm-hmm. i hold so many african community ac- accountable because people was you. like i want to like yo yo listen why leonard's always talk to the people from from ghana from i get along with everybody i said listen i hold people accountable i don't mm-hmm. play that because yeah. now that's racist. You got to change that. Oh, no. I, I, listen, I know we are African immigrant, but you got to understand so everything David say. That's the exact same thing that I do for my African community. You know, and, and then like you just said, now it's the children now. They're like, look, we got to change the narrative. So. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I do not identify as white. I identify as a PLC, right? I've come like when I did my my DNA test, mm-hmm. I was like seventy five percent from Central America, right? I consider myself to be of like native the uh, native of the Americas, right? Um, but one thing I'm I I understand is that when I am in a room full of other people who look like me, they're gonna bring me in on like the joke per se right and i Mm -hmm. use the air quotes just like white people when they're in a room together they say all the shit that they won't say in front of our faces latinos are the same way i know for a fact that some africans are the same way right like my (laughs) ex-girlfriend was ethiopian and she told me that when she first came to this country her family had preconceived notions about what african-americans were like Mm -hmm. and they bought into it and they were living in everybody and they they kind of learned and then they they once they got here and they realized oh everybody thinks we're just black too. Then they started to understand they're like, oh, this isn't actually how these people are. This is how they're treated and how this how the system is designed to 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 kind of make you feel. And that the media um creates this image of of black people, right? Like anytime people talk about welfare, it's always like the welfare queen. They 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 basically talk about black women, right? But in reality, most of the people on welfare in this country are white. Mm. And so like the fact that these are the systems that are in place. Um, is one of the issues that I think kind of kind of creates this divide amongst people of color. David, this is your topic. Listen, I just want to thank you all for calling out the um, racism when you see it and the mm-hmm. stupidity when you see it because I think what we need is allies, but we also need for people to call it out when they mm-hmm. hear it and they see it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't try to come and talk to us about it because yeah. we experience it. We know what's mm-hmm. going on, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to your people. That's why I tell my white friends, hey, don't try to talk to us about racism yeah. and, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. Talk to your people. Come yeah. on. Right? We live in it. Yeah. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Right? Talk to your people. Yeah. Same with other groups. Talk to your people. 
hold them accountable, no. right? And I'll tell you what, when you're in a room, like you can call yourself an ally all you want. But if you're in a room of people who look just like you and they say something problematic and you don't check them, you're worse than them. Come on. You yeah. are absolutely worse than them because you're pretending to be an ally in front of your black friends. But behind closed doors, you're promoting it and you're letting it slide. And so to me, like, I, I don't I don't I don't let that fly. The That's same fine. is true for African-Americans. I do not want to keep us out of this accountability talk, right? Mm -hmm. We hear somebody saying something foul, we need to do the same thing. We need mm -hmm. to say something, we need to stand up, we need to become allies as well, mm -hmm. especially when we're expecting allies. Mm -hmm. Woo! Listen, that's, that's a wrap, Davis. Let's get it. Professor Davis. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah, I'm coming listen. to your class. Yeah, man. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week uh, on King's Dilemma, and hopefully you tune in next week for the, for the season finale. Peace. Peace. Peace.